What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, baby. Hello, my love. (laughs) What was that? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. That was the sound of two and a half glasses of wine. Ah, yes. The old, the old, the day where we sit down, bang out a a bunch of recordings one after the other, and just get drunker and drunker as we go. (laughs) As the season progresses, we just get more drunk. This evening on Turn Me On Podcast. God. Um, how are you, babe? How's how's life? That is such a big question. How's your how's your puss? How's your old how's your old uh, BV thing Thank doing? Thank you for asking. Yeah, miraculously, it disappeared. Fuck off! I'm Just not, gone. I am not. I I kid you not. I took. I got a prescription while I was on away uh, for a UTI. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I don't even know if I had an actual UTI. Like I went, it was enough for me in the States to go to the hospital. Ooh, yeah. That's... Um, even though I had insurance, it's still like a thing that feels really fucking scary um, is to go there and not know what the bill is going to be or whatever. But it's always, it's also kind of fancy. Their their hospital system is kind of fancy. So I, I went there and I got a prescription for a UTI and I took the antibiotics, even though I, I definitely after like a day or two, I was like, oh, that wasn't the UTI. And my 
BV was gone like by the, the end of this course of antibiotics. And I, oh. listen to this. This is the worst part. I have no idea what they were. Oh, no. Because I didn't write it down. But... Well, like, it couldn't have been... Also... It couldn't, I mean, how many different types of antibiotics would they be giving out for uh, yeast infections? It can't be... No, it wasn't. It was a UTI. Or sorry, for a, a potential UTI. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I don't know. It's different in the States. Because I've had lots right. of UTIs, and I've taken the same drugs many times, I right, think. Right, right. But, but, um, but the other thing that I was doing that actually helped in the meantime, if anybody wants a legit, like, you know, um, DIY... Was the squatting down and using the hot, hot, hot blow dryer up your, up your, uh, in between your labia? That, that one? Because <laughs> I, I remember walking in on you the other day, you were doing that, and I was like, uh, why? And you were like, uh, just pre- BV prevention. I was, and I was curling like, oh. my pubes, Jeremy. I wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> I was giving myself a perm. Um, no, it was, uh, so I bought boric acid, which is like this loose powder. That does not, you know what? I, I mean, I'll let you continue, but, Anything acid just doesn't sound like it's a good thing to put in a mucous membrane. You know what? You didn't have a problem when it was tampons. Is there acid in tampons? Well, there's definitely poison in tampons. Yeah. Well, well then there you, there you go. I mean, I've, what do you mean? I've never had a problem. I've never stuck a tampon in my vagina. No, I'm just saying you're all concerned now because I'm saying boric acid, but you didn't think twice if I was like, I put a tampon in. All right, Brady, what sounds more scary? <laughs> Boric acid or tampon? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Tampon. You sell tampons, don't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm a a tampon lobbyist. These diva uh, cups, it's not not what it's all cracked up to me. (laughs) Um, Oh, fuck. No. So, boric acid capsules. I capsuled it myself. Um, there was a book I got this information from. I didn't actually read the book. It was passed on to me. This sounds like a legit solution, right? Did I tell heard you about, from a herd of a yeah, friend of mine. Did I tell you about the, my, my new term for... I, 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 I consider myself a headline whore. Okay. So, I, uh, I generally read headlines, but... That's it. I, I very rarely read the f- article. I'll, I'll read a headline and go, oh, I've taken what I need from that, and then go through the world like... As if I know what was contained in the article. You fucker. I know. <laughs> I you know, I know. fucker. I know. Yeah. So uh, it sounds you like you're ignorant. a bit of a headline whore yourself there, right? <laughs> At least I only take it from people who are reaching out directly to me. <laughs> but um, okay, no, I did that, this boric acid thing. And you do it like once every three or four days. And you put it in, this is the way I did it. I put it in at night. It like dissolves, the capsule dissolves, the acid, you know, whatever does its thing. You get up in the morning and you leak. So you got to wear like a panty liner. Shut up. Leaky penises are a thing. Oh my God. Leaky penises are a thing. So you leak into your (laughs) panty liner for a second and then you're scent free, symptom free for like two, three days. Does it burn? And then you put another boric acid in. The only place it burns is under the the hood. Can I just fucking... Uh, It burns... Sure. It burns wherever it touches, like, you know, thin, thin skin. So on the inside, not really, but as it leaks out, maybe you get a little trail of a burn. Ay, caramba. Okay? Now, the other thing you got to (laughs) do... Okay, what? Is drink apple cider vinegar every day. Right. Yeah. Yeah, hey, look, I'm I'm a I'm a huge fan of apple cider vinegar. I think it it has some good properties. You know, it can do a lot of things. <laughs> I'm just 
Hey, look, I'm not, I'm not naysaying it. You know, they're like apple cider vinegar, ginger, garlic. All of those things can really fucking change a person. So, <laughs> all I can picture is you running out of the house two days ago, calling me a fucking hippie. <laughs> and you, okay, well, hold on. You and your, uh, your, you were oil pulling. You were fucking oil pulling, and I was like. Uh, I don't think that that has any uh, any value. <laughs> and I believe my argument was, well, it feels good. And hey, if it feels good, great, do it. And then I was like, see, enjoy your oil pulling, you fucking hippie. And I was just walking out the house. And you came over and started spraying me in the face. With and- water and vinegar, with what I clean the house with. Yeah. Because I'm a fucking hippie. Yeah, and then I smelled like, a, like fries and co. Yeah. Down the street. Anyway, okay, well, that's great. So the BV's gone. Yeah, BV is uh, miraculously gone. Yeah. But that being said... I know from reading other people's testimonials that once it kind of goes away and you got a handle on it, you're like, ah, oh, you're just, you're feeling safe. You should pay extra attention for times when like you get cum inside you, like semen inside you, or you, you know, any like inkling of a, you know, a yeast infection or just you got to basically you got to be. Even your own period can throw off your pH. So as soon as that happens, pop another boric acid in there. Interesting. I'm glad I don't have to step, stick things up in my pee hole. Not yet. You're still young. I but am. Guaranteed, yeah. you're going to have penis problems. Whoa. Hey, well, don't fucking put that on me. Well, I'm. Mean, you don't know that. Yeah. Well, you, you'll be guaranteed. Very lucky. Listen to you over there it on is your guaranteed. high chair. <laughs> you fucking. Literally, you're on a really high chair. It looks. It's kind of silly. Um, you don't know. My penis might work just fine and dandy. My penis so We're far. Not, I'm not talking exclusively about erectile. I'm okay. talking about like your pee is going to leak out of your penis. That doesn't happen. Uh huh. Dribble S- underwear dribble. Yeah. Oh, it very rarely happens to men as they age. Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't know. I haven't really spoke to many men about like, hey, uh, now that you're an old man, I should ask my dad next time I see him. Hey, dad. Uh, did your dick just like leak now? I can't 50? wait until we get your dad in the studio and I want to hear you ask him that. Because <laughs> like, honestly, I bet he's here. like, boy, let me let, tell you. Let me tell you what's leaking out of my cock, boy. <laughs> my dad's also from, uh, he's a newsie. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, well, uh, here's a, a thing that I, I kind of had written down here uh, in my imaginary notebook that I don't have <laughs> um, that I wanted to talk about today. Do you remember when we were we were in South South by, at South by Southwest in Austin, and we went to we went to a workshop led by um, uh, two people, but namely Christopher Ryan was one of the people leading this workshop, and the workshop was called um, it was like like choose your own adventure, how to live a polyamorous lifestyle, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Christopher Ryan, for those of you who aren't aware, is a uh, he's a psychologist and a anthropologist. Uh, 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 I don't think he's an anthropologist. Really? Yeah, I think he's just a psychologist. But he wrote a book. He wrote a book. I think with a anthropologist. Oh uh, yes. Yeah. And uh, anyway, the book is called Sex at Dawn, and actually played like a big role in in Bridie and I opening things up, um, and and myself in like opening my mind to the idea of polyamory or non monogamy at least. And um, anyway, so he was leading this workshop. And I remember this from Sex at Dawn, from the book, but I totally forgot about it. But he brought it up because someone asked a question about like swinging. And he basically brought up this, um, he was talking about where, where swinging as a lifestyle originated from, or at least what people think. Right. 
or one of the one of the thoughts of like where it originated from in 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 the United States. And it was um, he attributes it to fighter pilots back in World War Two. So there's, he actually wrote an article. Um, he wrote an article about it on Psychology Today. If you want to go check it out, the article's great. It's called uh, "Not All Military Adultery Results in Scandal." Um, but I want to read a little excerpt from that from that uh, that article. So ask to imagine the first swingers in modern American history. Most people probably picture hairy hippies in headbands lolling about on waterbeds in free love communes under posters of Che Guevara and Jimi Hendrix. Oil pulling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but be cool, daddy-o, because the truth is about to blow your mind. It seems that the original modern American swingers were crew-cut World War II Air Force pilots and their wives. Like elite warriors everywhere, these, in quotations, top guns, often developed strong bonds with one another, perhaps because they suffered the highest casualty rate in any branch of the military. According to journalist Terry Gould, key parties, in quotations, like most, uh, like those later dramatized in the 1997 film The Ice Storm, originated on these military bases in the 1940s where elite pilots and their wives intermingled sexually with one another before the men flew off toward Japanese anti-aircraft fire. So the whole idea behind it was like these these men who live a, uh, a life where they have a job where, you know, uh, two-thirds of them will likely not return when they all go out to fight. Yeah, they're going to die. They're, go- they're, yeah. they're pretty much going to die. Yeah. Um, they they form these bonds with their their comrades and and their their um, their their co their comrades' wives. Yeah. And in the hopes that it's like, okay, I'm going out, and if I die, I want to feel safe and and comfortable in knowing that my wife will be taken care of by by these guys, these guys that I sh- that hold this strong bond with. Mm-hmm. And I find that so fucking fascinating. He goes on to say in the article that like this was happening on military bases and and then and then through that it you started to see it kind of spill out into into um like the suburban areas and it became a little bit more um a little bit more I don't know what's the word I'm looking for like widely accepted. Rose just fucking lay down. Will you lay down? <laughs> fucking Christ. On the we couch got this like she's not gonna stop we got this goddamn beautiful dog in here. And Get up on the couch. Come on, on, you little deer. Over there. Come on. Go on. Get up here. Over come there, on. behind you. Up here. Come on. Lay down. Good girl. Lay down. Why'd you lay down? Good girl. Oh my god. Oh, oh. yes. Kisses. Are you so sweet? Lay down. Lay down. Hmm? Let me say something in the microphone. Say something. She is the most vocal dog. Hmm? Hey, Rose. Oh. 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 Oh no, she just wants to give you all the kisses. kisses. She is so affectionate. Get out of here, you little fucker. Lay down. Lay down. Lay down. Um, Yeah, so so the idea of like, you know, holding this bond and feeling like, hey, I might die, but if I do, at least I know my my pals are going to take care of my wife. Yeah. How fucking cool is that? Yeah, I wish I could be like, that's a movie I would love to like get into. I'd love to, I'd love to play a role in that film mm. and just like investigate that because mm-hmm. as a woman <coughs> there's almost a part of me that wants to be like well that's very misogynistic is it no well i don't 
no necessarily because I, I'm not there inside those relationships. So it right. may be, you know, it may be a thing that like, <clears throat> you know what? I know there's a lot more out there than like guys and girls, but yeah. like, you know, if I were to, if I were to try to empathize and put myself in the place of, you know, heterosexual men, cisgendered or whatever that like identify with one another in a way that I can't possibly understand because I'm of a different sex and like, you know, place. I kind of get how that'd be a thing for a community of men to be like, Ooh. Well, especially in the, we're okay with this, then we want this, and this is actually important. Yeah, and think about like think about the time too, right? Nineteen forties. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the man generally was the breadwinner, right? It was like the, you know the man was the the person who brings in the income, who's there to like to uh, support the family. Like there there were very the 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 gender roles were like very normative normative and and stereotypical you know but like also the women this i'm super curious about too is the women during that time were going out into the workforce and getting their independence yeah yeah there's the whole what was the what was that woman the she with the do it the headband yeah and like the she putting up her her bicep like flexing her bicep there there was a name for that woman there Um, was a name for that woman what was her name Rosie the Riveter. Rosie the Riveter. Yeah, there you go. Rosie, yeah. She was getting her fucking arms and hands dirty. Mm. Helping helping out the war machine. So I wonder uh, what that was like, too, as a woman and in a community of women. And, you know, I, I really like uh, it. You know, I watch Mad Men and I watch things of that era. Mm-hmm. And there's just like. There's something that I really uh, desire about that time period, and it's I know the we, furniture. Yeah, well, it's you know, <laughs> it's the aesthetic. We all know the furniture is coming back around. Yeah, but the 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 this like status of the woman it was in a really interesting place then, which it which it is now too. I guess which it has probably always been, but like. I look at the way it's portrayed in film and television. Obviously, that's my only source. But like the way women interact with one another, like what would that have meant for different women between them in their communities? Like Mm. my husband's going to take care of you if your husband dies. Mm. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it is it is it is weird to think about that. Or maybe it didn't happen that way. Maybe it was just like my bud who's not he's just single. He's a single guy. He'll jump in here for me if I die. Well, the other thing in that article is that it's like it's that's still the that's still the the mindset apparently in that in that community. The swingers party. Uh well, no, the community of like of fighter pilots. Oh. It's still a sort of ongoing um uh tradition i guess or or it you know it's it still goes on today so what we're basically talking about is like the most masculine it's a pretty it's a pretty hardcore mask i mean we're talking about the military you know what i mean it's like a very ma- it's a it's a very like masculine kind of you know like war fighting like all that kind of shit huh you know yeah and i mean have you ever met a fighter pilot never i mean have cr- you? look oh yeah fuck yeah like look at chris hadfield you know what i mean like he's 
if you ever spend time with him, which I know a lot of people don't like have the opportunity to do that. I, I did. And there is a very like militant, like regimented, no bullshit kind of attitude. And I feel like you kind of need that in that sort of, or, or at least you're, you're going to develop that in that sort of lifestyle, hmm. you know, where that's your job. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Very reflexive. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just so fucking interesting to think that like, it is that, is that where swinging sort of became a more, nor- like a, a more uh, practiced thing? Like, was it, was it kind of not really a thing until that became until it was like done in the military and then it sort of spilled out into other communities, you know, as a result of that. I've never been to a swingers party. Me neither. But when you put those two things together, my images of a swingers party and my images of uh, fighter uh, pilots. Yeah, I could see how those two things go together. Yeah. yeah. Is that something that interests you at all, swinging? It used to. Yeah. It definitely used to. Um, (coughs) <clears throat> I think potentially. I still think like potentially in my future that could be a thing. Could be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. Like I, I don't know. Like I feel like you've it, said you've always said, kind of said that, that. Yeah. You didn't like the idea of being in the same roof as your partner having sex with someone else. Yeah. 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 But that's always given me a little bit of like a. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm, I, you know, the whole idea of like, um, uh, like you sleeping with somebody else, like, yeah, sure. Okay. I'd rather not hear it. Right. I'd really rather not see it. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd rather just like hear about it afterwards. Right. And even at that in very little detail, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I don't need to, I don't need to be a part of that. It's, I can allow it. I'm comfortable with allowing it, but I don't, it's not, I have no desire to like, be in, involved in it in any way you know mm-hmm. and i feel like there's but who knows like that's that's one of those things that might shift and change over time we have no idea <laughs> we have dude we have no fucking idea anyway i just thought that was kind of interesting yeah i think that's really interesting actually this thing that i wanted to read um is kind of in line with that in terms of the the stakes the like life or death stakes oh yeah 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 i know what you're gonna read yeah okay it's not quite a brain boner. It's more of a comment, but uh, a little bit of background. I, I do a lot of public speaking, and I've been doing sort of rounds right now where I'm doing a lot of speaking at palliative and hospice care conferences. So I was in Ottawa a couple of weeks ago speaking at a, a conference for a, a, a bunch of palliative care, hospice care, uh, medical professionals, nurses, doctors, volunteers at a conference that they they threw in, in Ottawa. And this was an email that came in from someone who attended the conference um, where, I, where I gave a keynote, um, just for a little bit of like reference as to what the, what the fuck this is. Okay. Dear Jeremy, grab a beer, this is long. I'm writing to thank you for your presentation at Palliative Education Day last week in Ottawa. I'm somewhat shy and couldn't summon up the courage to approach you in person. So this is my cowardly follow-up. What I want to convey as my gratitude for your references to sex and sexuality and even orgasms throughout your presentation. It was refreshing and normalizing. When I trained to be a volunteer in 2013, there was limited discussion on the topic. Pretty much the total discussion was a warning to not wear anything revealing and to avoid decolletage in particular. 
I mustn't hyperbolize or sensationalize what happened since there was no dwelling on the topic, yet the clear message was that, at the end of life, people aren't interested in sex or thinking about it. Don't go there, was my main takeaway. As someone who happens to be intensely interested in the matter and has always been this bar and taboo approach perplex me. Now, with five years of experience under my belt, I certainly appreciate that people at the very end stage mightn't be physically capable, but it doesn't mean it's not on their minds and it's not a potentially significant part of their life story. Within the first few months of volunteering at a residential hospice, I spent time with two residents for whom the topic was super important. You've no doubt heard of life review, the concept of sharing stories and reflecting on events and relationships in the final days. One man was wondering if he might have missed out on something. His dad had been a somewhat of a swordsman, see Urban Dictionary, and had a woman in every port. He said it was a common part of the culture in his Caribbean upbringing. He moved to Canada in his youth, married someone, they had two children, and he never strayed. It was fascinating to me that this question of, did I make the right choice, was top of the mind toward the end. I listened intently, which is the role of a volunteer, and didn't offer any opinions, which is the role of a volunteer, but I found myself nervous and as though I had done something wrong simply by listening. I owe that to the volunteer training. The second man had long been a homeless person living on the street, battling addictions and mental health issues. He'd been married and had a handful of children when he was younger. His current partner was also a street person who couldn't visit the hospice often because of her own mental health challenges. This lovely man was addicted to heroin, and he kicked it only to discover he had cancer. Mm. Before the cancer, he fought his demons through photography and kept an impressive album in his room. During an impromptu life review with me, what he wanted to explore was the matter of satisfying or enjoyable sex. And what is an orgasm anyway? He was mystified to think that he had those children but didn't feel like he'd experienced sex until he was a middle until he was middle-aged with his current partner. I was moved and once again I felt like I had a conversation I wasn't supposed to have. So while that was long-winded, but I had to say thanks for talking about that. I also appreciated the F-bombs you peppered through your presentation. <laughs> I love Sick Boy website and promise to Listen like a friend, spread the word, donate some dollars at some okay, point. Okay, okay, okay. Well, okay, so uh, that's, uh, first of all, I want to just, I'm sure this person isn't listening, but hey, if they are, thank you for writing that email. It was very kind, very sweet. Um, and so funny because like that that talk I gave uh, had nothing to do with sex. Right. What it, what it had to do with was that, you know, there's, there's an, uh, there is you can find art within death or you can die with grace and, and turn that into art that can affect change in people um, for the rest of their lives. But there, there's like, there were moments where I like make a kind of joke about orgasms and make a joke about grinder. And like, I don't know, <laughs> know what I'm saying. I'm like, how the fuck does that work into that speech? Um, but super interesting, like super interesting that, that, the topic of sex for people who are being trained to work in a hospice center is like, is being taught that it's like not a subject that is worth investing time or energy into. Well, it doesn't surprise me at all that it comes up in the hospice setting and that that would be like a, 
a major thing that people would be reflecting on near the end of days yeah. because from even our experience in therapy and from the things that I've read about and my own research, the th that's one of, you know, relationships are key. You are, you know, you're, you're in a relationship or you have a relationship to not being in a relationship or something like that. Mm. And you, you, the thing that causes the most rifts in intimate relationships, sex mm -hmm. and money. Yeah. Um, and then death is like the other thing. That's what that podcast was it sex, death and money is like, mm -hmm. a, or whatever it's called things that are hard for people. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So it's like, of course, sex is going to be something that's on people's minds as they near end of life. I mean, okay. You're dying of cancer and you know that you only have a short period of time left and you're in palliative care. Uh, clearly you only have a little, you know, small amount of time left. Um, of course your mind's going to, there's a whole bunch of things that you're going to be thinking about, you know, the people that you're leaving behind, you know, what, what happens after you go, what happens in the transition of like death, what does death mean and, and all that kind of stuff. But to think that sex wouldn't be something that would come up in your, in your psyche throughout that process to me is fucking bananas. I guess too, like there are, pe there are people who aren't, who, who aren't very sexually driven or active and I'm sure that it probably doesn't come up for some near end of life. But to say that it's like something that we shouldn't broach or that we shouldn't like talk about, talk about bef like it during end of life. Like that to me is fucking bonkers. Yeah, that's pretty bonkers. It's weird, right? Yeah. I wonder if that's the case, <coughs> like kind of around the, the block. Cause I feel like there's gotta be some, culture somewhere where they really celebrate that kind of stuff mm. yeah oh yeah 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 maybe it's a maybe it's a western thing yeah like I, i'm sorry I'm, I'm now it makes me wonder like what's palliative care and hospice care like in places like you know in europe Sweden. and it's yeah or spain or something like that you know where sex seems to be a little bit more um casual conversation and like not so taboo as it is over here like life is a little more sensual yeah 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 I mean, yeah, like, we got to get more sensual Westerners. We do. I mean, yeah. I know you're going to roll your eyes so hard at this, <laughs> but like, God damn it. I have to go there. So I was away for a bit and while I was away, I didn't have my yoga studio. And so I was doing my own practice and I was like, you know, I'm an actor as well. So I have these like complimentary practices that I can do on a daily basis that like help me get into my body and help my mm -hmm. voice like feel good. And, and some of it's yoga and some of it's a little, not that. Haven't rolled my eyes yet. Okay. But one thing that it's anchored in the yoga world, but for me really lives more in the world of imagination is the chakras. And oh, okay, yeah, right, there they right, go. Right, there there they go. Is, they yep. just hit the fucking ceiling. <laughs> you roll them so hard. But the second chakra, the sacral chakra. Yeah. The orange one that lives between your pubic bone and your belly button and is responsible for, uh, let me guess, let me guess, it's related to, related to, uh, related to like following your gut, gut reactions. So that's super interesting that you say that. That's not what I was going to say at all, oh. but. Yeah, I think probably, I don't know all that much about it. I got to go pick up my book at the library. Sure. 
But I'm pretty sure disruptions with this chakra lead to digestive disorders. Right. Okay. So, or they show up as digestive orders or other other things. But this is the chakra that's associated with your creativity and sexuality. Mm. Right. So. Oh, you're not, those, not your not your root chakra. That's not sexuality. No, that's stability. Oh, that's foundation. Okay. That's survival. Ah. Okay. Okay. So creativity is your second. Yes. Your second. So your second one, and so. I've been playing in my yoga practice and in my acting practice to like kind of build myself these little visuals. Yeah. And the mantra that I use for my sa- my sacral chakra, chakra is I have a body and I'm entitled to all the pleasures of the world. And that is like... I like that. Like... That's powerful. I think I told you we we made New Year's resolutions back in January about our sex lives, and I said I wanted to get more into like tantra, tantric yeah. yoga. Yeah, and I actually haven't done too much research on it because it seems way more complicated than I'm ready to take on. But I know that being sensual is a part of tantric yoga. So Ooh. sensual, like your senses, like really enjoying the tastes and the sights and the sounds and like letting them affect you you know because it's pretty easy for some of that nice stuff to bounce off you if you're like wake up on the wrong side of the bed and you're like i gotta do this and i do this and i'm tired or whatever and you like forget to just be like how lucky am i that i Mm. have have a body yeah have a body it does all these things it can feel all these really pleasurable things Mm. and um, you know, I try to think about that when I eat and when I drink my coffee and when I have wine and even when I write with like nice ink, I'm like, oh, that's satisfying. Mm-hmm. And t- so, t- okay. So tying that back to thinking about sex and end of life. Yeah. Well, at the end of life, I feel like you're looking back and wondering how well you lived your life. Yeah. See, that's what I, that's what I think about. Like uh, when I... This came up in a conversation with a past guest that we had on the show. Their, their episode hasn't aired yet. But we were talking about like, do you ever think about um, how this might, when you're having sex, this might be the last time you ever have sex. Right. Which I've never thought about that. But something that I have thought about is like, when I'm starting, when I get closer to death, which is something that I think about every single day, when I get closer to death, how am I going to feel about the way I've lived my life? Am I going to feel like I've fulfilled all of the things that I wanted to, 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 you know, to, to do. And sex is one of those things that comes up a lot when I think about that. It's like, will I feel sexually satisfied with how I've lived my life at that point? You know, there was like a, back in season one, I think there was an episode where I was like, I just want to be a slut. Mm-hmm. I just want to slut it up. Yeah. I want to experience all of the experiences you know, and so like when I when I come up to my 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 deathbed, when I'm laying there taking my last breaths, that for sure I cannot, I could not imagine a world where that would not come up in in my head, and where I wouldn't want to have a conversation about that with like, you know, whoever's sharing my death with me, mm-hmm. you or or Becca or, you know, friends, maybe not family. it's a a line yeah um yeah i don't know so i i'm i'm glad i'm glad that i'm glad that this was something that was like kind of stirred up in that that person who decided to write 
well, and, and add that comment there. Like I was just saying, I would love to have some some like seniors oh, yeah, you were in saying here this earlier today. and chat about this because like this has been a bit of a theme for things mm-hmm. showing up in the the you know in this world a little bit is like uh, a resurgence of sexuality like yeah. later in life and kind of all these the universe has been dropping all these cool cues that we got to look into this a little bit more mm-hmm. but let's let's any seniors out there listening anybody with uh cool senior parents or grandparents yeah. or aunts or uncles you want to who you know they're yeah, they don't they're not on facebook they they'll use their real name they are on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Old people love Facebook. Yeah. Let's get them on the. Yeah. Let's get them on well, you know, I think that's a good little sort of segue, Bride, for, t- for two things. First thing is to say, uh, reach out to us. I, You know what? I'm really curious to know who's listening. Um, so, hey, just send us an email. Let us know who you are. Who Who's out there? Who's listening to what we're saying? Tell us what you do for a living. Tell us why you listen to the show. Just let us know who's out there. And if you want to be on the show... Uh, head on over to our website, termionpodcast.com slash contact. Hit the contact, the, the future guest form, and, and let us know if you want to be on the show. And for sure, if you're an old person out there, I would love to have some some old folks on the show. I think that would be just a fucking treat. <laughs> I you think know? they'll love that you're calling them old folks. Yeah, you old fuckers out there. <laughs> Get your old asses in here. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'd like that too. And... um if you haven't uh, haven't had a chance to go over to Patreon and watch our super sweet little family video we posted there, uh, we're on Patreon. And we'd love to feel your support in that way. If it's in your bank account to do so, a dollar, three dollars, five dollars, whatever you got, helps to keep this going, helps us come visit you, see your bedroom, see what you eat for breakfast. Yeah, all that stuff. All right. Well, let's start to this week's episode. Uh, our friend Pat... You know, we we actually talk a lot about grief and death in this episode and how it... How timely. You know? The universe speaking to us. Uh, We'll see you on the other side. Pat, how's your sex life? Uh, currently, uh, at a bit of a standstill. Yeah. Uh, but robust otherwise, I guess. Yeah. Okay, how <laughs> yeah. does that work? How does that work? I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm really good at jerking off. It's, oh. uh... Oh, exceptional, really. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, um, been in a bit of a weird place. My mother passed away, uh, December oh. 2nd of last year, and, uh... I haven't really been comfortable having people in my space lately. Yeah, right. So I haven't really had people in my apartment. Um, I did last night. Uh, so I guess no. It's, <laughs> it's not, not a hard and fast rule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, How do you, that, that's, you know, this, and I hope it, let me know if you, if this isn't okay to go there, but I, how did, like, 
losing your mother, were you close with your mom? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I feel like if I lost my mother today, uh, I'd be pretty shook up. You know, I love my mom a lot. We're pretty close. It would it would devastate me. Well, I've I've had probably about four months or so to to deal with it, and uh, I was the person that she confided in while she was she. So it was a, a rare type of bone cancer, mm-hmm. and uh, I was the only family that she had here in Halifax. So while she was in the hospital, I was there day All the in time. day out. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, uh, probably about three months I was off work uh, just to, to be with her. And, uh, yeah, that was um, certainly trying. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And, like, so, I, I mean, and I'm sure that that's trying in in a whole handful of ways. Um, but to to sort of navigate things towards the, the sort of, like, social impacts that that has on you, specifically with your with your own love life. Right. Um what, like, what was the, did you find that it took like a, because I find like sex and grief are two things that either go hand in hand mm-hmm. or they are two like polar opposite things. And, and, and I'm not speaking from um, experience here. I'm speaking from what I've observed. It's funny you should mention that. Uh, there was a woman that I met during that whole process uh, she lived in Ottawa, you know, she was from away, and we wound up sitting next to each other at the bar, uh, on <laughs> Spring Garden Road at Fickle Frog, uh, and we found out, like, through conversation, we were both speaking with the bartender, we found out that we were both, uh, kind of in grieving, uh, her mother was in the hospital, in the ICU as well, and uh, yeah, we we grew very close very quickly, and it was this intense mm. thing. Uh, we we wound up uh, <laughs> becoming intimate very quickly. Yeah, right. Uh, and do you think the grief played a role in that? Like, like oh, you guys are both sharing this pain, and so absolutely. it's like you're both there to make each other feel good. You know, and and if not good, then at least feel something. Yeah, you know, right. There, there's this weird numbness that comes with dealing with intense if not grief then uh uh, pain suffering yeah Yeah. one of the things that makes me think of did you see uh uh oh fuck monster's ball no i did yeah that scene where halle berry and and um Uh, billy bob thornton have like this very very graphic very intense passionate emotional like hardcore sex scene right and it is filled with so much there's that movie i mean if there's anything that's gonna like really take you down a notch and make you really bummed out for a day it's that fucking movie and there's so much like there's so much wrong with the them having sex or at least it, it feels like from an outsider's perspective it's like exactly it's yeah. wrong for them to be having sex in this moment well they, there was the, a certain amount of guilt associated with uh, yeah. the experience that i had because we were both given private rooms in the icu because we were there basically waiting for our family members to die mm. uh and so we just we could just close the door lock it and have at her wait whoa whoa, uh, wait in the hospital i, I yeah the, they they give in the you, icu yeah in the icu you in have the a, same room as a as a mom 
No, uh, that's what I was thinking. It was, it was, too. I was it like, was, well, of course, there's somewhat guilt. nearby. Uh-huh. Uh, was it like a room for for like? Yeah, hey, Pat, so here's essentially, a room for you. so like your your parent or your mm. your loved one is in the intensive care unit. They're going to be there for a long time. You're here for the long haul. Here's a room where you can stay. Right. It's got a couch. It's got a bed. It's got a TV. You can essentially live here for oh, the time that's being. Really nice that they would provide that yeah it, it really was comforting for a long time and i mean myself and most of my family lived in this space for god two months almost yeah right uh, but there were times where i was the only person who it, lived in, in the city space. yeah my like i come from cape breton so we're three four hours yeah uh out uh and it just wasn't reasonable for people to live there the yeah. entire time right. and that was kind of my go-to i was the guy who lived here i took time off work and i just stayed all the time and so that catharsis was so unbelievably meaningful mm. that i could collide with this other person who didn't have a, a really uh great relationship with her mother mm. where i did and so we we kind of like filled in the blanks in each other's lives it was very strange and probably one of the most uh meaningful sexual encounters i've ever had yeah are you guys so close uh, no uh, you know it's like a circumstantial kind of timing it, sort of thing yep uh you know we're on facebook i guess and mm-hmm. so we get to experience each other's lives from this strange distance mm. there's something so perfect about that that it existed for this like purpose and this yeah period of time and no one's trying to make anything more of it and it just exists like perfectly whole yeah what about bridey what about you like you you lost your sister Mm -hmm. and that was i i i I unfortunately didn't wasn't around to meet shay i didn't get to know you or her while she was around but i know that through being with you and 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 getting to know your family that that was like a really tragic loss for you and 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 pretty tough um, to handle how did that like did that in that grief was there w- was there intimacy or sex that 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 like did sex play a role within that that process of grief so January, March, April, May. we're coming up on um, the anniversary of my sister's passing which is the 24th of may um 2002 so i guess that's a while ago 16 years or something like yeah. that um and so I was 18 and I had lost my virginity about four months before she passed away. Oh, wow. To, um, you know, to my boyfriend at the time. And we had lost our virginity to each other. Wow. But but he had lost his mom about a year before that. And I didn't know him then. And um, so he was like simultaneously the best person to have around while I was grieving because he just knew to just be there and that there wasn't really anything you could say or do and he didn't feel awkward about it and he was you know he was pretty amazing and it was the day of my sister's funeral that he told me he loved me for the first time and so it was super like comforting that sexual relationship that we had and it definitely didn't slow down but I remember another member of my family who I won't specify for their own privacy asking me about that, about my libido, because they were experiencing a complete die out of their libido oh, wow. with their partner and it was causing a lot of strain on the relationship. So I guess, yeah, interesting how it goes 
in different well, ways. Yeah, and like well, I was it, saying, it's like they're either they're either hand in hand or completely separate. At well, least well, after uh, yeah, everything was said and done, I returned to my life. I, I threw myself into my work, kind of thing. Um, that catharsis, that really intense relationship that I had had very briefly with a, what amounted to a complete stranger, uh, was on the other hand. <sighs> When I get get back to my life, like like I mentioned earlier, I wasn't really comfortable having people in my space. Mm. I don't. I've kind of made myself persona non grata in the dating pool, mm. uh, and there's been this intense uh, isolation as well. And uh, yeah, in the intimacy it, it it's very interesting in that respect. It, it, yeah, it really can go one way or the other. One thing I'm curious about with this this particular like uh, connection with this person, yeah, was your did the the quality or the and I don't mean quality as in like good or bad. I mean quality as in the your natural tendencies in in the sex that you were used to. Were, was it the same quality of sex? Or like, was it a little bit different? You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, like it was you break more up the... explosive. Like, yeah, it, it was very intense and mm-hmm. very brief. Um, uh, yeah, it it was something unlike I experienced in my day to day for sure. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wow, this got really real, like real quick. <laughs> I, I I'm curious about this, like not being comfortable with people in your space, both like literally and. Like metaphorically during this, this time? Yeah, because I, I like to think that I live my life as an open book and I'm very open about how I, I lead my day to day. But yeah, my space has been uh, a bit of a, a point of contention since. Uh, I, yeah, I live alone. I spend a lot of my time alone and I have a hard time. Like usually if I take people home, uh, I'm I'm drunk. Right. Mm. Yeah. What what How? what is that? Like, what's that? Where's that coming from? I don't know. I have no idea. You you, ha- you haven't been kind of like trying to find a connect connection. I I went on a speed dating thing fairly recently. Uh-huh. Uh, just as I was like, well, I don't really have anything else to do tonight. Might as well. I've always wanted to try that. It was fun. Yeah. Um And I met someone that uh, we had a lot of common <laughs> friends, and uh, <coughs> it was surprisingly uh, appropriate. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, we've been on a couple of dates and stuff, but never it, never in my home, never in my space. Right. Interesting. I guess I, I think, Jeremy, you were asking the same thing I was just asking. It was like, have you thought about why losing your mom might have affected you in that way? Yeah, like is it is it a defensive, a defense mechanism or, or, like, yeah. or is it just like, is it just potentially just a, a your, your way of, of, grieving your way of mourning yeah maybe i don't know i've been through a lot of stuff uh since and uh, you know you you strive for that normality but i i also hired um a professional dominatrix a couple of times after my mother passed away oh so that was after your mom it was yeah it was very shortly after okay i knew we were gonna get into this i walked in earlier in the room and i heard the word that phrase professional dominatrix and i was like oh no well, that I'm uh, missing it. <laughs> I, I, I really like it. Was interesting. Okay, so l- let's unpack this a little bit. Then. Sure. Yeah. Uh, in general, in your sex life, are you are are you more so a a, a submissive 
type or do you do you consider yourself a little more switch or do you even yeah, think about that? definitely a switch um okay. i do think about it quite often um i i participate in uh a lot of local bdsm communities and things like that sure and nightshade parties and you know the the whole works um and i've slowly kind of become more active i i like to approach these things a little bit journalistically i like to experience them just for the sake of experiencing them Mm -hmm. and communicating to other people what it means to do those things that's one of my favorite things in life yeah is to to approach something just for the experience or just for the story of it um remember that that pilot that i shot with with tigby Uh subculture shock it was this idea that I had for a TV show where I would just immerse myself fully in a subculture, a random subculture, and like just to see what it was like, yeah. and to like give it a sort of a view into what that what that experience is like for the people who are in it. So the, our first episode was like rural area pro wrestling, so like you know, like <laughs> just like dudes beating the shit out of each other, yeah, in, in a in, backyard somewhere, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, like this, these experiences that that. I would say if you ask most people, I, th- I would say if you ask most men, hey, have you ever, have you ever like hired a dominatrix? Most would probably say no. And I feel like pro- the, probably the reason why would be that it's, I mean, maybe a fuckload of reasons, but like one of them would be, this is really, it's something really intimidating yeah, about I, well, a dominatrix. I, yeah. Yeah. I don't think people are comfortable enough. Um, giving away that authority yeah you know uh the the typical roles of a male in a sexual relationship is dominant mm-hmm. um and giving up that role tends to be difficult for some people or you know uh they they feel shame in giving up that mm-hmm. role or like demasculated or yeah yeah absolutely what so so was it a um I, I've, I've never actually spoken to anyone who's been with an actual pro dom right it was it uh was it a sexual thing? No, not at all. Um I went into it like I I box as a hobby. Um I love combat sports, things like that. Um I, you know, you wouldn't really assume that having met me, but with hiring a pro dom, I found that it was this almost it's emotional <laughs> alchemy is what it is. You right, you turn sure. this you turn this thing that you can't really deal with which was my mother's death uh into uh, a form that you can contend with uh pain Mm. you so a lot of people assume that you know you go to pro dom you're getting off on pain but no i you know i i i got fulfillment from enduring pain interesting and and so i got to turn this metaphysical pain that i had into a physical thing so it was a, it's something that i knew how to deal with mm-hmm. i got bullied as a kid so i i got into combat sports when i was 12 13 years old um uh, never been in an actual fight mind you very you know calm kind of guy uh and this is i couldn't f- tell yeah, yeah. <laughs> this this was a way for me to deal with things in the way that i only i understood no one else could understand it mm. that's why it always seems strange to talk to it talk yeah. to people about it like that's probably the reason i'm on the podcast because i think uh, i spoke to uh, a couple of my co-workers and they yeah. were like oh my god i can't believe that you shared that with us that you you did this thing and yeah you know, i was like yeah no i 
I, I, I'm an open a book. a reasonable and, outlet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why not? You know, people have a lot more unhealthy outlets. Why the fuck not? Yeah. You have someone tell you what to do, spank the shit out of you. It was my 30th birthday, actually. So <laughs> birthday spankings yeah, were right. on the table. That was a theme. Well, it was take, a thing. take us through that experience. Like, uh, like from, from step A to Z, like what was the, what was that? What was that experience? Well, and, and honestly, I, I, I'm very comfortable saying her name. She's uh, Mistress Annabella Payne. Uh, if anyone is interested in... Do you know her, Bride? Uh, you know of her? I know of her, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. she is fantastic. Just a kind human being uh, who really... You exchange some emails and you talk about what you're looking for. And I essentially didn't really know what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it became... A creative experiment, which was nice. We got to play off of one another. Um, she got to see how I responded to certain things. And, yeah, we we had a lot of great talks before and after the sessions as well about how it was a way to to manifest certain feelings that you might not be able to express in your day-to-day life. Uh, and I found it really interesting, if not, I mean, a little bit financially constricting, which is a shame. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, and well, how much is how much is a session with a two hundred dollars an hour? Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So if you can find someone who is uh, open to exploring these things with you, by all means, please, like, don't be afraid of, of speaking to someone about fulfilling these needs it, it was one of the most intimate relationships that i've ever had really how did you how did you track her down like how did you find how do you I, how do you find a dog google you just google like yeah. dominatrix halifax yep and you'll find you'll find where you need to go precisely that yeah interesting well i i i also mentioned the uh the nightshade parties and stuff like that so right they, these bdsm themed parties that go on at places like men's and molly's bar and things like that uh yeah, there's a community as well, and mm-hmm. people are generally very open uh, to, to, I guess, just explaining things and like bringing people into the fold. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a small town, pointing you in the right like, direction. Yeah, it's a small community. Absolutely. Yeah. What well, was your guys' first meet like? Like the the meetup with with Annabella. Like, what was the? I, I was very nervous, um, so I came in. My heart was pounding, and essentially, I. It's called and the you so- go to her. Yeah, okay. it, it's called the Society of Bastet. It's uh oh, they do it through Bastet. Yeah, they're, they're oh. yeah. You oh, just amazing. rent the space exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you walk in, and this space is already fully equipped. Um, and then we just sat down and and shot the shit back and forth a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, got right into it. Um, you know, uh, being vulnerable. Is, is a huge thing, so she will essentially ask you to strip down and, and become vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And then that's when things get interesting. And yeah. then, then afterwards, you sit down and you talk about, you unpack the whole the whole experience. Uh, yeah, it was incredible. Was it, did anything, um, did, did anything happen during that first round, that first experience that made you just like, start laughing like i feel oh, like yeah, absolutely like, you know what i mean like yeah right, okay. it, it, it's at some point it's lighthearted, you know and yeah. you're there um yeah 
especially just like getting my ass absolutely beat quite literally just <laughs> spanked the shit out of me um and to be able to turn to someone and make a joke during something like that everyone mm-hmm. assumes it's really intense like my uh, everything is very no uh everyone is having fun that reminds me of the movie secretary have you watched that I have movie not, no oh my god it's maggie gyllenhaal and uh oh i can't remember the name i think of... i've seen that scene and she she's uh she's a secretary obviously but they get into this like dominate she's not the dominatrix but they get into this relationship but you know the movie is a is a dark comedy and that's the that's what that brings well, me to and yeah yeah the, hiring someone like that uh i i'm a big fan dark comedy is kind of my deal yeah mm-hmm. um i make dead mom jokes on the daily Good. Uh, you own that you have Ooh. to you really do um and laughing during something like uh, a pro dom session is it's what you're there for. Yeah. It's it's a release. And what did she? How would she respond if you cracked a joke or, or laughed? Oh, she would respond with another joke. <laughs> okay. Good. Yeah. Uh, or you or know. drop you to your knees and make you eat from the dog bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It. I love it. Really. So it's playful. It's not it's, like. It, yeah, absolutely. Okay. But I'm I'm sure, and it, it, that was. But I'm sure that I'm sure that there's other s- scenarios and situations with people where it's not playful. Right. right? Like, that's not what they're looking for. It's like, well, I think, you know, because I was kind of exploring, uh, yeah. I, I, I was exploring different avenues. I wanted an outlet. So she was very excited to have someone where she could just kind of play, play off of yeah. their, their needs, their wants, their, uh, their, their idiosyncrasies kind of thing. Did the tone of it change the second time you went, you went to see her? Um, a little bit, yeah. Uh, she said, uh, I was really excited. You know, I was driving over here from my day job, and I was thinking about things that I wanted to do or thinking about how you are as a person and things that I could maybe do for you. And to ignite a creativity in another person is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And people assume that uh, if you're hiring a sex worker or you're hiring a professional dom, that it's all about fulfilling your needs right mm. instead of building a relationship with another person mm. was this the only the first time you've ever hired a, a, a sex worker yeah yeah and was it the last uh no no um i just yeah um there's a, a lot of different needs that people need to fill i guess what was the other the other experience that you you hired someone i i hired a transsexual prostitute that's rad. Where here in Halifax? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And they were visiting from uh Toronto. Okay. Yeah. And what and was this your first uh experience sexual experience with someone who is who identifies as trans? And no. Um I've actually been on numerous dates and and dated some some trans people, things you, like that. Are you do you identify as like pansexual or or yeah, or, I mean as far as I need to ever identify my sexuality, yeah, sure. I guess I, I, because very rarely do I need to to really put a label on it. Yeah, yeah I, I would, I would call myself pansexual or just like try <laughs> anything. That. Yeah, mm. it, 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 that journalistic approach that we we talked about, right. uh, it, doing things for the sake of experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really hold very dear. Mm-hmm. 
And what was that experience like with the with a sex worker? You know, like a so you know the reason I ask it this way is because with the with Annabella, it didn't seem like it was a sexual thing. You know what I mean? It was yeah. it was more more for whatever your own exploration. It was, it was into, a catharsis, it, I th- I would exactly. Say, yeah. As as hiring someone for hiring someone for for sex is I feel like is a little bit of a different experience in itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what was that what was that like? Was it enjoyable? Was it very much so, yeah. Um I I was really interested in how when I got there we sat down and, you know, they they talked about coming in on the flight and it was their first time in Halifax, so we chatted a little bit about like the places to be and, and what to see and uh and whatnot and then got down to it and then it was again very intense but you know you pay for an hour you get 45 minutes and the beginning and the end is all just sitting on a bed next to another human being and just chatting about whatever life yeah and did it feel like you because those that relationship is so fleeting and so temporary right. um did it feel like you had an authentic connection yeah, I I think um, the more fleeting a connection, the more meaningful it is. I love traveling. I love traveling by myself. I love mm. meeting people very briefly because you get to be completely honest with an, another uh-huh. person. Yeah. Uh, because often when we live our lives, we have these expectations that other people have of us or or for us. And yeah, it, it there's a lot of pressure there. But when you hire somebody, or when you you know you, you throw yourself into a situation where you're completely in over your head, you you're honest. It brings you back down to earth, and and yeah. And there's no reason to lie no, or to put not? on a a personality or whatever, because you know, like there's no airs. Like I'm. I'm here to buy a sexual experience. So what have I got to not be honest about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. My mother's dead. I'm not trying to oppress anyone anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Right. I have to ask, what's your relationship? Was your mom rather domineering? Is there is there any sort of like... I No, I don't think so. My parents were always very supportive in the way that whatever I wanted to do, they would support me in doing it. Mm-hmm. They would never hold me to account. You know, it was never okay, well, you're slacking here, you're slacking there. It's just do whatever you want to do and we're going to support you doing it. So you guys had a great, a good, sounds like a healthy relationship. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, healthy but... is a, yeah, that's that's a whole other thing. <laughs> um, yeah, there was certainly a family dynamic there. I, I skipped a couple of grades when I was a kid. So I was, I Too was smart for told I was gifted, quote uh-huh. unquote, Um which, I mean, I grew up in Cape Breton. I'm pretty sure I wasn't gifted. Most people were just kind of dumb. <laughs> it was normal. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. When we were in Austin, uh, there was this comedian. And, um, you know, the, the slogan for Austin is, stay weird. Right. Like, Austin, stay weird, Austin. Everyone's like, stay weird, Austin. Because, like, Austin's this weird city. Yeah, you know? it's, it's like it's this weird liberal oasis in the middle of Texas. And so this comedian's <laughs> like, why the fuck is everyone saying Austin stay weird? It really should just be Austin stay normal. Everything outside of the boundaries of this city is what's fucking weird. <laughs> you know, this entire state is weird. 
it's Austin is just the one little normal piece on the in the center. I found it so fucking, <laughs> well, yeah, so yeah, funny. Like, it, it's those moments, and I felt that a lot. Where you you either feel like the only sane person in the room, or you feel like you're losing your fucking mind. Yeah, yeah, right. And I swing back and forth from those two things all the fucking time. Turn me on. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. 
as a young person, as far as like keeping my head above water, uh, romantically, but it got. I love it. You very intense, very fast. A yeah. poet, a, a yeah. poet's edge for as a survival skill. Yeah, yeah right. absolutely. <laughs> what was because uh, well because I I was a sickly kid too. You know I. Okay. Didn't I was not very healthy. I had my tosses out as a young kid. Why are like, smart kids always so sick? Yeah, just fragile. It's like they they always have a runny nose for whatever reason. Yeah, you yeah. know, they're like always a little bit congested. <laughs> Poor fuckers. Well, and then, my, and then luckily my mother put me into uh, taekwondo. Great. So yeah. I, I started combat sports as a kid. Like I mentioned, that I, I do a lot of boxing now and uh, becoming. Fluent in the language of violence has been mm-hmm. very important to me over the course of my entire life. Well, uh, it gives you some control over violence. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I found that coming back to like my sex life, uh, the the whole dynamic of being uh, dominant or passive, or you know that particular amount of controlled violence, is something that people need. Mm. Mm-hmm. When when did you make your uh, we we're we're starting to say this other thing as opposed to lose your virginity but make your sexual debut? Right. I think it comes from another podcast <laughs> uh, which is called Sex with Strangers podcast. We'll have to give them some credit because uh, I don't want to you know I don't want to like be a hack, but I do love that your sexual debut. How old were you when you when you made your your sexual debut? I I was in junior high at the time, uh, and I I had a really wonderful girlfriend at the time. I, who, to this day, I dated longer than anyone else. It was Ooh. three, three and a half years wow. uh, of uh, committed relationship. Uh, and it was comfortable. You know, you you were with someone that you trust. And, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't like today where I just kind of, like, you know, you throw it all around. And it's uh, a bit of a crutch at times. Mm. Back then, it was meaningful, mm-hmm. which... Uh, yeah, it was very important. And do you think having experience like that? Because I, I also had a very similar experience in in my my own sexual debut. Um, and I'm wondering if you feel like that 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 played a role in how you you ended up sort of viewing sex or 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 trying to experience sex for the first you know several years of your your sexual your sexual life your sexual origin story honestly i think it was the most important part of my sexual life because if anything it was the most healthy right um i i remember the first time we had sex uh <laughs> we i i tried cuz you know you're that age junior high high school you watch a lot of porn so I wound up picking her up and fucking her against the wall, and it caused a bookshelf to collapse. And there, you know, like, so I her parents <laughs> ran upstairs, oh, and no. it was this whole fucking thing. Oh wow! It, it, like one of those things that you would see in a coming of age movie, uh, right? Right. And it was hysterically funny. Mm. Um, to her parents, was it hysterically funny? <laughs> yeah, they, honestly, they took it. They took it pretty they well. They took it okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You guys have been in a committed relationship. Yeah. That's something a parent must like just feel really good about when they're they have kids. I could imagine. Like I, I would like to think so. Some yeah. parents. Some parents. And, well and she's still in my life. Um she was a very important part of my mother passing away. She was uh, living in Halifax at the time as well. Mm. 
Um, she's a really good friend of my sister. So she spent a lot of time there. And she was a, a friend of the family even long after we broke up. Uh, which is a very awkward, but b very important when you look at it from the outside in. Mm. I have a question about sure. that because um, uh, I I wonder if you does this person show up in your dreams a lot? As a matter of fact, uh, about less than a week ago, I texted her and said, "Listen, you, like you were in a dream of mine recently," and I thought. It'd be a great opportunity to say, like, I hope you're doing well. I hope your family's doing well, and I miss you. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we had a good laugh about it. That's cool. Yeah. I find that the my first real serious relationship, uh, he shows up a lot in my dreams, especially if I'm going through something. Right. And, uh, you know, Jeremy, I can already feel your eyes rolling back <laughs> in your head. No, but, no, I, no. but I know somebody who interprets dreams, and she Oh, now said, I'm rolling. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. That's no, what I, I, said. I can no. hear the bell yeah. ring. Yeah. 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 Now, now it's rolling. Ding, 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 ding. Um, she, she's like, you know, she, she, she would say that this, whatever you dream about, like everything in your dream represents actually you. So what does this person represent? What part of yourself does this person represent? And for me, it's like this innocence of right, like... Yeah. Like and crossing this threshold from something innocent to like a deeper knowing, and I find that that shows up in my dreams very often. When well, like, like I said earlier, really, like I, I took myself out of the dating pool uh, the last couple of years, or really the last year or so, and to have her pop up in my dreams, like this one really important person that I had the healthiest relationship with, uh, I think is very meaningful. In that, maybe I'm trying to to get back into a healthier relationship or a healthier space as far as uh, mm. dating goes. Mm-hmm. I, I've always had a very contemptuous relationship, I think, with uh, with monogamy and things like that. Mm. Um, so, it, it, yeah, it, it was something I've definitely been rolling around in my head lately. Yeah. Do you think when you do decide to get back into that sort of dating pool that you will try to cultivate a a more um open or polyamorous sort of lifestyle absolutely with your next yeah. partner yeah um like i i know what human beings are like i know what my own needs are like i just i don't believe in monogamy as uh it's, it's very difficult to maintain i think uh and it it's a needless stress uh i believe and if people can satisfy their needs and communicate with one another about how they're going to satisfy them. I think it's so much more positive than just forcing yourself into this strange mm-hmm. little pocket that people put themselves into with monogamy. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And especially if you, if you feel like monogamy is not something that, that sort of uh, sits well with you as a, as a person, you know, I, I mean, there's, there's definitely people out there where they, it, they, it makes way more sense to them yeah. to be monogamous, and that's, that's yeah. Great. It's definitely not less <laughs> stress. For, if I could speak from fair, yeah, from fair. my experience, right. for sure, it's like it's very time consuming, <laughs> um, and there are you know, there's no shoving the emotions down because it's all about communication. And but also, oof. you know, in the same breath, 
so is monogamy. Yeah. You know well, what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's just as it's just as challenging. Yeah, it's if you want it, as, if you want a healthy, I would imagine right. monogamous yeah. situation yeah. for sure. I mm-hmm. really value honesty above all else. And I feel like a lot of people who practice monogamy feel like they have to make these concessions uh which are less than honest mm. uh to maintain it. Mm. And I think it it's maybe it's just people take the wrong approach to monogamy. Uh and people who are more prone to polyamory or things or, or non non monogamous relationships they're more understanding uh, of honesty mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. that makes sense a little less uh less likely to maybe make everything about them right because you it's like, I don't know. I'm now I'm well, like, I grew up in a family with five kids. And no wonder I understand that it's not all about me all the time. But yeah. I, you know what? I do think it's all about me all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pat, when did you, when did you um, start to, was there a time in your life when you, just to like kind of rewind things back to putting labels on you, sure. which, which I, I you know, know. I did, didn't mean to put a label on you, but um, I am curious to know, like if there was a point in your life where you started to, realize that you were a little more like sexually fluid than than maybe most of the the people you were you were growing up with yeah yeah um i i'm kind of a city person i i've lived in halifax about 10 years now uh but i've been traveling all around the world uh in the meantime and i had a really solid relationship for a brief time and i i was gonna go do three weeks in europe and it was like Eastern Europe. I thought, well, you know, um, prostitution is legal there. I would love to hire a sex worker and like see how that goes mm-hmm. um, and just have that experience. And the person I was dating at the time was like, yeah, yeah, that's great. Sure. Give that a try. And then when I was off in Europe, they became very apprehensive of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I realized that maybe my approach to life doesn't exactly measure up with a lot of people um and you know i i i'm very temporary in, in the way i view things you know uh, death is always kind of at the forefront of my mind and i you know i just think live for the moment kind of thing mm-hmm. uh and i don't think that's a language a lot of people really understand mm. So, yeah, it's been difficult in that I have to kind of explain this to people. Uh, And that's kind of why I've taken myself out of the dating pool, because it's a very difficult conversation to have and to to measure up with a a certain uh, with a person concerning like, yeah, I'm just going to do all of these things to do them, not because I don't love you, but because Mm. I believe that living is more important than than whatever this is yeah right right uh, and it minimizes someone else's experience so i don't want to do that to another person mm-hmm. I, I feel though too like just bringing that stuff up right off the bat yeah. really has a per, like can have a pretty profound effect on how that relationship fosters and grows and evolves right it's like the the it's it's far more challenging to introduce those types of of um expectations when there's already a whole like castle of expectations that's already been right. built up. You know what I mean? Like 
to to take that castle down and try to rebuild it is is really tough versus here's the foundation let's build from here right right yeah i can't that's a hard thing we, we brought up in our last conversation with someone who was just like when when do you divulge certain things about what you think because you don't want it's not like here's a list of things you need to know about me on yeah. the first date or right. you know like you want to get involved with me here's what you're getting into because <laughs> like that that's a tricky thing it's like how do you how I, do you man, how do you let know. these things out but one thing that uh when we saw esther esther perel in um austin she was like it's a complicated time to be in relationships because um because everything is up for negotiation mm. if there's no there's you know monogamy is still a thing and you know marriage is still a thing and all of you know uh classic like structures of family is still a thing so if you're going into it and you already know that's not for you then 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 it's like here's a list of things you that you can't expect from mm-hmm. me yes yeah, i i i disagree that it's that it's not easy to bring those things up i feel like when you are start when like when you first go on a date with someone Say it's a two-hour sit-down over beers at a bar. If you if you don't spend that time um, uh, mindlessly spitting out like meaningless small talk, you can get to know someone on a pretty fucking deep level, and you can get to figure out what this person thinks about their their views on how relationships should work, what their past relationships were like, what they, what they, their hopes and dreams are for their future relationships. I think those things are easy to like, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe it's just me, but I feel like it's, it's not that hard to pull that stuff out of someone and to also lay it out for them. I don't, I don't feel like it's hard to be honest about those things. I'm just wondering like on a, on the, on a timely basis, like, that kind of conversation where might come across or might feel like, look, I want to check all these boxes before there's a second date. I want to make sure right. that we're on the same page about these things, yeah. which might inhibit your ability to actually see if there's like a right, I, a, I, lo- a yes. bigger than yeah. you. I get that. Connection. I get that. Like if you went on a date and someone's like, I want kids in the next three years, you're like, whoa, <laughs> fuck, what? Like <laughs> we're done. Uh, see ya. Yeah, I get. I get that. Yeah, but but also, you know. I don't know. I think there. I think there is like a, a healthy balance there, where where it doesn't have to come across well, like the here's the ultimatum. I think it, it can come across organically for sure, yeah. mm. uh, and so long as it does, then it's fine. But yeah. you know, so long as you don't want to force that kind of thing, you don't want to scare anyone away. You don't want to, of course, because you know they're not. Some people might not be as open, or we have these expectations uh, with you know the Tinder generation and you know first dates and how things are supposed to go. And if you broach a subject that's a little too intense, you know, they, it throws somebody off. But if you make someone comfortable and you connect with them in a personal way, then, yeah, you can bring that up and you can mm. explore that, I guess. So it's very contextual, I think. It's like the Tinder generation thing just is, makes me think, like, you go on these dates and, like, is there... Depending on where you met or how you met, is there like a level of like expectation of like, well, this for me is clearly about sex because I met you on this app and this is just about that. But, you know, do 
do does it matter if we have a certain amount of things in common for us to kind of keep hanging out if it's only about having sex I, i'm just mm. thinking out loud i don't know speaking of laying things out and and potentially like a little too intensely was on a date recently very recently and within no no like hyperbole within the first 5 minutes this person reveals that they were sexually assaulted by their brother. Okay. Yeah, that's... Super intense. Yeah. yeah. But at the, at the same time, I was really interested in hearing more. And what, just like... like I. Do you think they disclose that because they know you're, you host this podcast? Maybe. Because there might that, be that like could, a, could play, that, like a yeah, that could that could play a role into it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But also, even if so, let's say that even if they didn't, even if that wasn't a part of it, I still would have been in that situation, in that scenario. If they just laid that out like that, I still would have been like, "Holy fuck, that's a lot." Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's go a little deeper into that. What like, like what so? Would, let's explore that like, as opposed to oh fuck, I'm out. I'm out of here. Exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. there was there was no part of me that wanted to leave. Yeah, I wanted to hear more. Yeah, I, I was going. If you if you are willing to to lay this out in front of me, well, I'm I'm willing to listen. I'd be I'm, super curious too. I'd be like, tell me about that. Tell me yeah. about how that like how that affected you. Yeah, like, what's your? I'd have so many questions. Do you think that's a, a defense mechanism <clears throat> for people in that they like they throw it out there and then just see I, how people react? No, or I don't. They, I they, don't think so. Yeah. I don't. I, I mean, in this scenario, I don't. I, I I didn't get that vibe. Okay. Um, and you know, your brother, you're probably right. I think it, it the the fact that that I host this show and, and sick boy like i think that maybe that played a role in it yeah. although i appreciate that so much like okay. i am such a i'm such a proponent for just no filter yeah live like, your life just honestly. be Absolutely. so authentic and be not afraid to say anything like just just let just fucking let it all out i don't know like i i we talk about this in, in there's a, a a, a portion in my in my this talk that I'm currently giving right now in different conferences across across the country and a part of it is like life's too short for small talk like why the fuck do we do we why do we stand next to someone at a bus stop while it's raining outside and 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 say to the stranger like that's eh, weather's kind of shitty it's like yeah we we both know this we're both wet like who who fucking cares? Yeah, about we're that? both standing in the rain. Yeah, I, I mentioned earlier, like I love traveling by myself simply because you get to have these interactions with people without the expectation. Like, I I absolutely hate when people think they know who you are, who you're supposed to be, uh, and, and slapping those labels on you or or dealing with you in a certain way. You when you travel, you get to be anonymous. You get to mm-hmm. live honestly. And why people don't do that more often just baffles me. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's, it is a little harder in a smaller city, you know? Yeah. Halifax is, is good and bad in that way, I mm-hmm. guess. You know, you bump into people who know your past, who have dealt with you on, on a lot of different occasions. Uh, but you also get to cultivate these little communities as well mm. where people live honestly. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever lived in a community as well formed as in Halifax. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's funny that Esther Perel also said about living in communities and she was like, you know, so when you were saying, Jeremy, about the small talk thing, I was thinking about how sometimes it blows my mind that we walk past people every day without actually acknowledging them. And I think back to a time when if you crossed paths with a human being you didn't recognize, it would be like, Hello. Who oh are God. you? Hello, stranger. Who are you? Exactly. Yeah. Who are you? And and so it boggles my mind. And then, you know, I was thinking about the small talk thing and thinking about, oh, it's raining. And I'm picturing like two little cavemen like just sitting there being like, well, it's raining. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's raining. Yeah. We're wet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah here we are. Sucks. Isn't but, that, but like, that feeling though when, you, when, when that does happen, when you're walking, say you're walking down Spring Garden Road and someone just goes, Hello. Yeah. And you have no fucking idea who they are. And they definitely don't know who you are. Yeah. And you have that moment of like, oh, it's that very was good. So nice. for, I'm pretty sure, yeah. I'm pretty confident that, that if there are studies done on that, that, that it will show that that actually, you know, boosts your levels of like serotonin. serotonin. Oh, 100%. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, ah, fuck, what was I going to say about the, the community thing? Oh, yeah. Esther Perel says that, you, you know, like back in the day, everyone's living in tents in these communities or whatever, not tents, but like the walls are paper thin. So first of all, you know when people are fucking. Yeah. You know when people are fighting. You know everybody's business in your little town. So like what difference is it in Halifax if like people know your past, they know who you sleep with, you know who you fucked over, you know, like all these things Mm -hmm. about you that anonymity is like, well, if you want it, you got to go to a bigger city than Halifax. Well, yeah, and, and we, especially with like Facebook and, and the, the connectedness that we have, it's the illusion of anonymity most of the time. Uh, I mean, nobody yeah. is really anonymous. You go anywhere in the fucking world and someone recognizes you or you recognize someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's striving for that, I think. There's a... a, a there's a lot to it. There's <laughs> a lot to ask if you want to be anonymous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Tweet your Facebook, first of all. <laughs> um, well, this was great, Pat. Thank you so much for, I, no, for I, coming I'm in. I'm really glad uh, that you invited me uh, to be on the show. I, uh, yeah, 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 I really love this kind of thing. I miss podcasting, and I, I think uh, there's a lot to be said about living an honest life, and I really love to... to give people an example i think in living honestly so hopefully i have inspired somebody to i'm inspired i feel inspired honestly like by that kind of honesty and um i'm just kind of things are percolating in my head too Mm. about that well if you are feeling inspired let us know uh we hope you enjoyed that and if you want to reach out to us and let us know what you thought about the episode you can always do that uh head on over to turnmeonpodcast.com and Hit us up on the contact form, or you can just email us at termionpodcast at gmail.com. Yep. And if you want to support us, uh, head on over to iTunes, subscribe for sure, hit the rate button, review us, leave a review. You can leave your thoughts there as well. We love reading those. And it also just helps us stay on the, the podcast charts on Apple Podcasts, and that's really important for us. Yeah, we got psyched when we saw our podcast next to Dan Savage and Esther Perel. I know. Oh, yeah. It's so cool. Uh, we're also on Patreon now, www.patreon.com slash turn me on. And uh, if you want to help us sustain this podcast and uh, help us grow this community, um, it would mean the world to us. Uh, a $1 contribution goes a long way. 
uh, $5 contribution goes a long way. 50 Anything. bucks goes a lot longer. 50 bucks goes quite far. <laughs> Gotta say, Mama wants uh, a new bar for <laughs> <laughs> the studio. Um, and, uh, and yeah, if you, I think that's who, we got some people to thank, I guess. Uh, we sure do. Yeah, sorry, Plus Emily, Jim sorry. Mark. Yeah, and uh, Richard Coyne for the music provided in this podcast. Thank you so much for your generosity and hope it feels as good for you as it does for us. <laughs> Uh, that is it. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.